is up everyone welcome to there can only be one the podcast that puts together the all-star best of playlists of your favorite bands and artists i am stoked for this one here and not for the normal reasons of i love the band and all that because i'm so used to it occasionally whenever an episode comes up there are musical blind spots artists that you know they're there and you probably know the singles but as far as the remainder of the discography you you just never got around to it for whatever reason and it's not out of any you know specific intent to avoid the albums you're specifically there to just it's just there and it was always in the background and then you have to do the deep dive and then you get this, you know, introduced to a world of new music. You're like, I didn't even know this existed. And now I do. And you'll be surprised when you hear who we're talking about because they have a massive discography. And that's the boss, Bruce Springsteen. So if I'm going to go down this road, if I'm going to be introduced to the boss, it's better to bring in a ringer. So joining me. On the show, fellow Pantheon podcaster, Jesse Jackson from the Set Lusting Bruce podcast. Jesse, welcome to the show. How are you doing, man? I am doing great, Jason. I have been so excited about doing this. This is, first off, I love the podcast, and it is always a um, a tough choice, right? Like, how do you do this? And uh, with Bruce, um, you know, I, I have first second and third place on some albums on my spreadsheet uh so 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 i'm not alone then so we're good (laughs) yes yes we are yeah so thank you and you know we all have uh musical blind spots in fact um a few years ago i i was part of another network and we did our genre blind spots like i've seen maybe three episodes of the x-files you know and people like i what? How could you have not watched the X Files? You know, uh, other people's like I've never seen any of the Lord of the Rings films. You know, and we just all shared our, you know, and then people go, "What? How could you do that?" Because there is not enough time to see everything and hear everything. And I have, um, you know, Led Zeppelin is one of my blind spots. I know maybe two or three songs, and that's it. And it's just not because I don't respect them. It's just, it just, I haven't taken the time to explore. So I feel your pain and I am thrilled that you still want to go through this uh, journey with me. It, is it bad that I point out that I have never actually sat down and watched a full episode of the X-Files, nor have I watched a full movie from the Lord of the Rings series? Not at all. Not at all. Yes. Okay. So again, I'm not alone here. No, you're not. Okay. So before we get down this road here, I want to take a second and and give you the space to let our listeners know about the Set Lusting Bruce podcast. Well, thank you. That's very kind. Um, I started Set Lusting Bruce in 2015. Um, There were uh, two or three things that led to my origin story. The first was there was a film called Springsteen and I that came out, which was a fan film where all these fans filmed themselves explaining what Bruce's music meant to them. And then Lynette Carolla, who at the time was married to Adam Carolla, had seven or eight episodes on a podcast 
where she interviewed friends of hers and Adam talking about their Springsteen fandom. They did not discuss anything about their own work. They were just on fans. And then um, we have an 80s podcast that was on Southgate Media that is no longer exists. The network doesn't. But And the guy who ran the 80s reboot, you know, Overdrive podcast wanted to take some time off. So he asked for guest hosts, and um, we discussed um, Stephen King movies. We talked Stephen King books, but we were picking the best albums, our favorite albums of the 80s, and I realized I could have picked all Bruce Springsteen's albums, you know? Uh, So that kind of got together. So I um, reached out and I said, you know, I think it would be fun to do a Springsteen podcast. And what my Springsteen podcast is, is I have talked over a thousand episodes to people around the world, uh, from South America, from um, Asia, from New Zealand, from Russia, Australia, Canadian, US, UK, Europe, and they join me and they just talk about their musical fandom. And most times it's Bruce, but I've geared off and I've had people that love Van Morrison, Janet Jackson, uh, just whatever their passion about, they share me. And the episodes are about an hour normally. And we just talk about the power and magic of rock and roll. That is absolutely awesome. And remember, you can find that podcast on the Pantheon Podcast Network. But now it's time to get into the Bruce Springsteen deep dive. But let's Put all the rules out here on Front Street. We're about to go through 23 albums of Bruce Springsteen. As always, we are not doing any live albums or best ofs. And we're also excluding albums that are considered to be quote-unquote compilation albums. This actually includes The Promise because, well, let's be honest, at 23 albums, you have to draw the line somewhere. There were also a lot of award nominations. So we're only going to be listing the wins because, again, we don't want to be here all day. We're also not going to be talking about any soundtracks. So unfortunately, Streets of Philadelphia is one of those songs that actually isn't in the conversation. But don't worry, we have a lot for you here. We're going to start off in 1973 on January 5th in the release of Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey. The album peaked at number 60 in the U.S. It is double platinum in the States. There were two singles off of this one, Spirit in the Night and, and I will admit, I was about a week ago old when I discovered that Blinded by the Light was actually written by Bruce Springsteen. I was surprised. This album was actually inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2021. So off of Greetings from Asbury Park, New Jersey, Jesse, what have you got? So this is the 50th anniversary of uh, Greetings. Um, And I went with Growing Up. Um, The reason why is when Springsteen on Broadway, uh, it is available on Netflix, but he opens with Growing Up. That is the first song he sings as he's telling the story, which makes sense because it's the first half of the podcast is kind of about his life. So I'm going to do Growing Up is my choice. 
as I was listening to this album, uh, A, I was still getting over the shock that Blinded by the Light I discovered was written by Bruce Springsteen. Because I'm sitting there, it's like, this sounds, this song sounds familiar. All of a sudden, like, ramped up, like, like oh, crap, it's this song. Like, yes. I, I, I was, I never knew. I never actually knew. So I was very surprised. But as I'm listening to this, this was a toss up. Spirit in the Night gets my pick for this but it was really tight because i was really feeling lost in the flood as well yeah uh i've been lucky enough to hear lost in the flood live uh spear in the night is a song he does fairly often live uh so uh that is a very good choice I can I can see that because spirit in the night definitely feels like a song that that does translate live very well yeah yeah well very good all right. We now move on to November 5th of that year, 1973, and The Wild, The Innocent, and The E Street Shuffle. The album hit number 59 on the Billboard 200. It is double platinum in the U.S. There were two singles off of this one, 4th of July, Asbury Park, Sandy, and Rosalita, Come Out Tonight. I have to admit, the longest song on this album stole my heart. New York City's Serenade, like right from like the epic piano intro to the the almost like a loungy storyteller kind of vibe. Like this was a good long slow burn. Um, yes, it it was close to being my choice. Um, in 2016, um, he was doing a three night show in Metal MetLife uh, Stadium in Jersey. And the first night he had opened with, you know, New York Serenade with, uh, with strings. And we were all, I had tickets for the second night. We're like, we've missed it. We had the wrong night, but he opened it again. Um, yeah, great, great choice. Uh, I'm going to go with the hit. I'm going to go with Rosalita. Um, I just think Rosalita is such a joy, you know, and, it currently is my, when I started a new gig and they said, what, what's a motivation quote you use? And I could have done a bunch of them, but someday we'll look at this and it'll all seem funny. I think it's something to remember when you're in the middle of a bunch of crap that, you know, later this will come back and you'll tell a story about it and and it'll be a funny story. I love that quote. I love that line. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We now move on to a a little album, Born to Run, released August 25th, 1975. The album hit number three on the Billboard 200. It is seven times platinum in the U.S., double platinum in Australia and Canada, platinum in New Zealand and the U.K. There were two singles off of this one, the highest charting being, of course, Born to Run. It hit number 23 on the Billboard Hot 100. And the album was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 2003, and rightfully so. So off of this album, like, there are some phenomenal songs off of this album. What did you go with? So this is definitely Sophie's choice. Um, The... The often the discussion is um, Born to Run is perhaps Bruce Springsteen's greatest song, and you will go, well, Thunder Road might have something to say about that. Um, I went with Thunder Road, uh, one, because I think it it speaks a little more personal 
to me. Um, and also, as regular listeners of my podcast know, I end every podcast talking about Thunder Road. So I had to pick Thunder Road. Well, I'm going to go the opposite direction here. I'll I'll take Sophie's other choice because I ended up with Born to Run. As I was going through the discography, and I think I did the entire thing in about a week. So that's a lot of Bruce to ingest in a short amount that of time. That is a lot, yes. <laughs> Which also, congratulations to me. I got through 23 albums in about a week. Um, yes. Thank God for a long commute. Not many of his songs, I you would argue, I think are in danger of you getting a speeding ticket while driving. This right. is one of those songs where yes. open road or even in middling traffic, you can you run the risk of getting that speeding ticket. And of course, it is one of the most, I, I would say, sing-along songs as well. Like If ever there was a song I wanted to hear live from Bruce, I think this is definitely the one. So, Jason, there I had someone on the podcast, and listeners, I apologize in advance. I tell a lot of stories. So um, she had seen Bruce over 50 times, and she was explaining that, you know, she really didn't need to hear Born to Run Live again. And I said, I get that. I said, but think of the person who's never seen Bruce live before, and they go to a show, and they don't get to hear Born to Run. And she goes, wow. You're right. And I have a wonderful friend, Mark from UK, says, during a live show, I stare at the band. I stare at Niels. I stare at, you know, Max. I stare at Bruce. I stare at little Steven, all of them. But I'm born to run. I turn my back to the stage and I just look at the crowd enjoying it. I love that. And, you know, it's funny. I remember going to see Iron Maiden on the, I think it was the Matter of Life and Death tour. And they were really heavy into promoting that album. So, of course, they were playing a lot of tracks on that. And that album is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. But I remember at the end of the night, and I'm sitting there going, they did not play Run to the Hills. Like, like there was no two minutes to midnight. And you're right. I felt like I missed out on something. And for certain songs i get it like yeah sure they've been played a million times but there's all every show is going to be somebody's first and if you went to hear that song i get it. i'm also a big krista burke fan i can't believe i just put iron maiden and krista Berg in the same story here but here we are and it's the same thing is that anything post lady in red there's going to be someone who wants to hear lady in red so if he doesn't play it they're gonna feel left out which side note the first time i ever saw christopher was pre-lady in red so i have seen him in concert not play lady in red because it hasn't been written at that point so uh first off i love you said that because um one of my favorite uh statements is every every comic book is someone's first comic book and so, therefore, when you're writing a comic book, you have to make it inclusive. Every live show is someone's first show. Um, I'm now going to totally lose your audience with very outdated references, but hang with me. I was watching The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Ding, I'm older than dirt. Linda <laughs> Ronstadt was one of the guests. 
And he said, I understood you went and saw Frank Sinatra. And she said, so about three people that are under 25 years ago, who the hell are they talking about? Um, and she said, yes. And she goes, you know, I get tired of singing Blue Bayou. I get tired of singing Poor Pitiful Me. And I'm just like, oh, I don't want to do this. And when I was going to Frank Sinatra, I wanted to hear every hit. I wanted to hear My Way. I wanted to hear Luck Be a Lady Tonight. I wanted to hear Strangers in the Night. And I realized, wow, that's what my audience is. And she goes, and now then I just think of that and I just feel a joy in doing these songs because people adore them. And that's the thing. Like When you have an artist with, let's be honest, a massive discography and they're still putting current stuff out there. I mean, there's some artists that are out on just basically what, you know, what they'll call legacy tours, right? It's like right. play the hits because that's what people want. And that's okay. It's totally fine, yeah. you know, but artists that are still putting new music out today, they want to play that new music and you can only squeeze in so many hits unless you're doing like two, three sets in a night, like a cover band right. and that's okay. Right. But there's Absolutely. always, always going to be those songs that always have to be in the set list no matter what. Absolutely. Yeah. We now move on to June 2nd, 1978 and the release of Darkness on the Edge of Town. The album peaked at number five on the Billboard 200. It is triple platinum in the States and platinum in Australia and Canada. There were three singles off of this one, the highest charting being Prove It All Night. That hit number 33 on the Billboard Hot 100. So off of Darkness on the Edge of Town... What did you go with? So Darkness of the Edge of Town is what many hardcore Springsteen fans will name as their favorite album. Um, I do not put it that high just for various, because I did not become a hardcore fan to like 2002. And so I have a greater affinity to that newer stuff. But um, I had five or six fans join me and we went through a 64 song countdown. Every we did 64 Bruce Springsteen songs and went it down and racing in the street ended up being number one. And so I, as much as I love a lot of stuff, factory and other stuff on darkness of the edge down racing in the street to me, when I first heard that it was like an adult beach boy song. It is Bruce's version of Little Deuce Coop, you know, uh, shut down 409 with adult themes. So I adore racing in the streets. You mentioned 409 and I'll, I'll be honest. I listen to Road Trip Radio a lot on Sirius XM. That yeah. song gets played ad nauseum on Road Trip. <laughs> so yes. I can just all of a sudden I have the, you know, the, the lyrics going in my head and now I yes. can't get it out. So yes. Damn it. <laughs> yes. The interesting thing here for me is that in a lot of these cases, I'm coming at this also as a musician. So sometimes it's the groove yeah. that gets me, um, right. as, as opposed to the, you know, the song and the popularity of it. So Adam raised a cane really snagged me with the groove on that song. It's just one notch below Badlands. But it was it was tough. It was tough yeah. deciding between those two. Yeah, I really would have. I mean, Badlands is amazing, 
And so I really, really gave a lot of thought to, and uh, the other one that had a lot of, I mean, I really debated on uh, doing it is, uh, you know, promised land. You know, I'm not a boy, I'm a man, and I believe in a promised land. Uh, I really, really thought about picking it. So, yeah. It's funny because you often mention the lyrics, and I'm, yeah. as I'm listening to this, for me, it's either the groove or the instrumentation. Yeah. So, I, I have a feeling just in these first couple of albums and how this thing has been going, I'm curious if we're actually going to match up on any of the songs because of the different avenues that we're approaching this from. You know, Jason, that and that what's, is what makes a great discussion. Yeah, lyrics are always me at first for me. Um, and so, in fact, um, Jungle Land is um, a meh song to me. And people like, that's heresy. Jungle Land is his greatest epic. It is one of his best songs. And I acknowledge that uh, Clarence's sax solo is brilliant, but the lyrics don't speak to me the way that something else does. So, yeah, great. Yeah, and then there's some artists where it's all about the lyrics. I mean, we, we recently did an episode on the Nixons, and I swear by Zach Malloy's songwriting and that more from a lyrical standpoint, even though the band is, a you know, has some hardcore bangers on those albums. So again, it all, I guess it all depends on the artist in question, but now yes. we're, now we're moving on to the river double album released October 17th, 1980. The album hit number one in the U S Canada and Norway. It is five times platinum in the U S triple platinum in Australia double platinum in Canada and and New Zealand and it's platinum in the UK. There were seven singles off of this album. Hungry Heart charted the highest. It hit number five on the Hot 100. So off of the river, what did you go with? So the story little Steven tells is that the river got them their first radio hit and that got them girls coming to the show. Um, he is a big fan of the river. Uh, 2016, Bruce toured doing the river in its entirety. Um, my Independence Day was close. Independence Day is an absolutely beautiful song about a father and a son both loving each other and not knowing how to tell it to each other. Um, and when Bruce does it live now, he is the older than his father was when he wrote it, which gives this sense. But um, once again, I'm going to go to lyrics. Jason, we talked a little bit about your day gig. I'm going to make a guess that whether you are a CEO of a multi-billion dollar company or the guy working in the mailroom, when the foreman calls time on, you know, on Monday, when the foreman calls time, I've already got Friday on my mind. <laughs> I think all of us on Monday morning are already thinking about Friday night. And so out in the street is my uh, pick. Out in the street was in second place for me. Okay. We, we almost matched up. We almost. Yeah. And, and I have to give, you know, kudos to the river you know, for being a very strong contender as well. Yeah. But 
as I was writing down notes for some of the songs, settings kind of came into me almost like the way I would want to actually listen to this song if, you know, if I was purposely putting myself in a position to listen to the song. So when I came to fade away off of this album, literally the quote I have written down here is beer in hand and guitar by the campfire. That's how this song feels to me. Yeah. Also a very good beer. Yeah. Yes. Oh, (laughs) that's great choice. Great choice. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, if you could, um, if you could only have one Springsteen album, there's a lot to be argued. Obviously, Springsteen Live, which is four albums, is a good cheating. <laughs> uh, but um, the River has a little bit of everything. It has the rock and roll. It has the party sounds. It has the the slow ballads. So yeah, uh, I great choice. It's funny too because there there are other songs on here where they get the the beverage reference. So yeah, I I can now see an episode on on your show where you're pairing songs with beverages, kind of thing, kind of like you would with food. Ooh, okay, that's I'm gonna make a note <laughs> that we need to do that. That would be good. That's good. How do how do how do craft beer your way through Bruce Springsteen? I can see. Yes, it now. absolutely. Yes. <laughs> we now move on to Nebraska. The album, not the state, released September thirtieth, nineteen eighty-two. The album peaked at number three on the Billboard two hundred. It is platinum in the U.S., Australia, and New Zealand. There were two singles off of this one, Atlantic City actually charted in Canada at number 49. And it's funny because I'm in Canada and that's the song I ended up going with, but off of Nebraska, what did you go with? So do you know the legend of Nebraska? I don't. Okay. So, um, there is a wonderful book called deliver me from nowhere. The Making of Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska by Warren uh, Zane. Um, after the river, they had had their first success, and Bruce bought a little bitty, like four track recorder, and he recorded these songs on a cassette as demos to bring to the band for the next E Street Band album the legend is no one everyone you know how success has many fathers failures has you know is an orphan a lot of people say but sooner or later someone said this is the album so the cassette that he was carrying in his pants without a cover with lint on it ended up going to the record company and that's what they released obviously cleaned up so and the book is why did bruce have to do the river commercial success skip born in the usa skyrocket success why did he need to take a step back and do such a quiet album the the goss and punks will all pick nebraska as their favorite album uh, my song is Highway Patrolman. Um, I think it was actually Sean Penn did a film based on this uh, song. And uh, listeners, do yourself a favor. Google Highway Patrolman Johnny Cash. 
and you would have much like hurt you go oh that's a johnny cash song you will listen to highway patrolman by johnny cash and go oh yeah johnny must have wrote this one see that was my thought process about uh blinded by the light I thought it was a yeah. Man for Man song, but apparently Exactly, no. yeah. It's a Bruce Springsteen song. It's interesting, too, because as I was listening to Nebraska and I knew Born in the USA was right around the corner, I'm like, this is, this is a massive tonal difference from what was to come and a little bit off of, I mean, you could see or you could hear, you know, some quieter stuff on the river, so it made sense. But knowing that Born in the USA was right around the corner, it is. like It's almost like a, a, a left turn at Albuquerque in hindsight yes and and the whole premise of the book is why why did he need to do this um and it is um it's a very dark album uh there um and it is um and i we've been there there is rumors there's an electric nebraska out there uh, but uh, it's never come to the thing. He has done a few songs, uh, absolutely on uh, you know that with the band, and I think Atlantic City is one of Dancing in the Dark is obviously the song that's covered the most by people, but Atlantic City is close. There, have, I mean, the band did a version. There's just been a lot of versions of Atlantic City, so that's a great choice. Yeah, and that was has, my number two. It has a very Neil Young vibe as well. And yes, as, I agree. As someone who has played uh, Hearts of Gold live, um, yeah, th- this is one of those songs that kind of fell into the wheelhouse that I'm. I'm I guess I'm comfortable yeah. with. Yeah, good. We now move on to just this tiny, tiny little album here. <laughs> yeah. Born in the USA, released June 4th, 1984. It hit number one in multiple countries, but only number 11 in Ireland. It is, do the math here, 17 times platinum in the US, 16 times platinum in New Zealand, 14 times platinum in Australia. It's diamond in Canada, triple platinum in the UK, and double platinum in Germany. So, it sold a couple copies. There were seven singles off of this one. All of them hit the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100, but none actually hit number one. However, that being said, Dancing in the Dark hit number one in the Netherlands, and both Born in the USA and I'm on Fire hit number one in New Zealand and Ireland. At the Grammys, Dancing in the Dark won the best vocal performance male in 1985 and the album itself was inducted into the grammy hall of fame in 2012 so off of this you know very obscure album what did you yeah. go with um by the way bruce has never had a number one single which is people kind of find that hard to believe you don't because you've done the research but there yeah um yeah i went with no surrender um you know, Dancing in the Dark could have done it. Um, you know, I love Glory Days. It's fun working on the highway. There's, you know, there's a lot of great songs. But um, in 2015, I was diagnosed with colon cancer. I'm fine now. I always like to throw that in there. But uh, No Retreat, No Surrender was the hashtag that I, every time I posted an update, on my health, my family, I would do no retreat, no surrender. So no surrender uh, gets me. And it's just, um, it, it's just a song filled with joy and passion. First of all, I love that you're okay. That's great. Yes, thank you. 
I love when a song takes on a meaning beyond just being a song and it becomes almost a rally cry or uh, a shield if you will or a, a flag to plant in the ground says I I will overcome anything before we were recording tonight uh, I was actually watching the triumph rock and roll machine documentary which if you like triumph that is a phenomenal documentary to watch uh, and one of the the fans on there was talking about how fight the good fight was his you know song to fight cancer with so Whenever a song can achieve that kind of connection with the fans, I think that is something more special than, you know, any chart hit, whatever the case may be. That's that's when a song becomes more than just a song. So that is awesome. For me, off of this album, I ended up going with I'm on Fire because I, I, I have a confession. Born in the USA as a song bores me. And I think because it's just so repetitive. And again, it's one of those things when I'm listening to a song, I'm like, okay, how am I, can I play this live? Would I play this live? And it's just a little on the repetitive side. Glory Days, Dancing in the Dark, they're good songs. But for me, it's the mood and the vibe for I'm on Fire. So one of the things that, by the way, great choice, um, 50% chance that if you go up to a guy in a bar or a restaurant that has a guitar, you throw money in the tip jar, can you do a Bruce Springsteen? One out of two chances he's going to do I'm on fire. <laughs> Not surprised. <laughs> right? Because it's a good song and it's a short song and it's a pretty easy song. Yeah. I, I, I will say, anytime anyone mentions Born in the USA to me, the first reference that that comes to mind is the movie canadian bacon and i don't know if you've ever seen this film or not i have the greatness of john candy yes but it's just that scene where they're driving the garbage truck and you know obviously the song's on the on the radio and they're trying to sing along and all they know is the born in the usa part and then they get to the verse uh the the, the verse is like uh, uh, yeah uh, Born in the <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh I love that. Also, great movie. If you have not seen Canadian Bacon yet, uh, go watch it. It's a ton of fun. We now move on to October 2nd, 1987, and the album Tunnel of Love. The album hit number one in the U.S., Canada, Norway, Sweden, and the U.K. It is triple platinum in the U.S. and Canada, double platinum in Australia and the Netherlands, and platinum in New Zealand, Sweden, and the U.K., there were five singles off of this one. Brilliant Disguise hit number five on the Hot 100 and number one in Norway. At the 1988 Grammys, Tunnel of Love won Best Rock Vocal Solo Performance. Off of this one, what'd you go with? So uh, I, I'm going to go back to my F Cancer playlist. Uh, and... Um, First off, I love the song, All That Heaven Will Allow, partly because there is a line where he says, hey, buddy, I left my wallet in my work other set of pants, slip me in. And I'm like, okay, you're in the dance. You can't buy her a drink. You can't get her a Coke. I mean, what are you going to do? But the reason I pick it is there, the fourth verse is, now some may want to die young man, young and gloriously. Get it straight now, mister. Hey, buddy, that ain't mean. Because I got something on my mind that sets me straight and walking proud. I want all the time, all that heaven will allow. And that was on my F Cancer playlist. 
Love so it. yeah, absolutely yeah. love it. I mentioned earlier that I had again paired a beverage with a song. Yeah. So as I'm listening to One Step Up off of this album, a bourbon barrel aged beer. Just try and picture it. Yes. That, yes. That that like a a good thick bourbon barrel aged beer one that's, one that's been aged for a while that's how this song feels and I'm as I'm going through the albums every now and then I discovered that when you have an artist that has different not necessarily different styles of music but definitely lots to choose from and lots of different like not every album is the same when it comes to Bruce you know you have a lot of this like just take a look at Nebraska and Born in the USA two totally very yeah. different albums here and yeah. you find yourself gravitating towards one type or another type of the songs that the artist uh, writes and puts out. For me, I find that when Bruce hits that that mellow vibe, that's kind of seems yeah. to be my pocket. Yeah. Um, and the uh, tougher than the rest would be one that would with a draft beer. Right. Because that's, you know, uh, it's it's his most country of his songs. Um, absolutely. And um, once again, I was lucky enough. I was in Houston, Texas, and someone had a sign uh, for one step up. And he and he said the E Street Band has not played one step up since like the reunion tour. And he says, you have made your bed, sir. We do not know this song. And Bruce started <laughs> playing it. He, he, you hear him, band join softly. And it was truly a great moment. I, I love that song. I, if I have to pick, Tunnel of Love would probably be my favorite album. You know, it's funny. We, as I was listening to these albums there, it's like, I was trying to find the album that spoke the most to me and we haven't yeah. gotten to that album yet okay so i'll let you know when we get there don't Good. worry yes don't please. Worry. that sounds great yeah but we now go to 1992 and march 31st which saw a double dose of bruce hit the stands of course there was human touch which peaked at number two in the u.s number one in ireland norway sweden and the uk it is double platinum in canada and platinum in the u.s and sweden there were three singles of a human touch with the title track peaking at number 16 in the U.S. and hitting number one in Norway. But also, on the same day, came out Lucky Town, peaked at number three in the U.S. It's double platinum in Canada, platinum in the U.S. and Sweden. There were four singles off of that one. Better Days peaked at number 16 in the U.S. So you see very parallel performances for both Human Touch and Lucky Town. So let's start with Human Touch. I personally went with the uh, the the title track, but I have to tell you, because I work in television. Yes. It was hard not to pick 57 channels because I kind of chuckle whenever I hear that song yes. because I feel that. I feel that to yes. my core. Uh, but off yeah. of Human Touch, what did you go with? So it was a toss up between I Wish I Was Blind and All or Nothing at All. And I went with I Want It All or Nothing at All. I ended up that. I love that just the the energy of that song and so that was my choice and then off of lucky town i ended up going with better days but off of that one what did you go with so ding 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 um if people ask me 
what is your favorite Bruce Springsteen song? I name two, and then the third changes every day. Uh, Better Days is either number one or two. Uh, Better Days is, I think, a song that tells the message that too often we wait for something good to happen to enjoy our lives. When I get that pay raise, when I get the kid out of diaper, when I find my true love, when I get fight cancer, you know, when I'm healthy. And, and I think his message is these are the better days. Um, I think it's just, it is truly my favorite song and uh, I just adore it. And I'm thrilled you picked that. I, I, you could, you could say the rest of his songs are all pieces of S <laughs> and I don't care because you pick better days. I am thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I wish I had a time machine to go back to the release. Cause it reminds me of the release of, and again, I'm going to go back to the hard rock. Cause that's kind of like my yeah. wheelhouse. I sure. remember when guns and roses release use your illusion one and two again on the same day. Yeah, And this is when the albums were coming out on a Tuesday. So I distinctly remember skipping school that day. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I skipped school that day, went downtown to, to, to the mall in Ottawa, waited in line. I was there before the store opened and I wasn't the only one. And I remember getting both of those cassettes. And yes, I said cassette. Remember, I'm old. Um, as As they came out. I can imagine this. Bruce Springsteen fans kind of going through the same thing when Human Touch and Lucky Town both came out. Yes. Um, of course, there is a little bit of controversy because this is after he fired the E Street Band. And Luck, Human Touch and Lucky Town was the other band. And when he toured, uh, there was a little bit of resentment that how, how dare you break the band apart? Um, and then, you know, in 90... Um, and we will get to this in a minute, uh, when he got the band back for a little EP, they're like, okay, maybe it's it's going to happen again. So, yeah. <laughs> but before we get to that, we need to get to The Ghost of Tom Joad, released November 21st, 1995. The album peaked at number 11 in the U.S. and is gold in the States. There was one single off of this one, The Ghost of Tom Joad, Although it did not chart in the U.S., it did hit number 34 in Canada. And at the 1997 Grammys, the album won for Best Contemporary Folk Album. So off of The Ghost of Tom Joad, what did you go with? So I, I was really tempted to go to Youngstown. Youngstown is a great uh, song. But um, when Little Steven was filming... Uh, Lilyhammer, you know, his series set in uh, Norway. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, Tom Morella toured with the E Street Band, and every night they would do Ghost of Tom Joad with Morella playing lead guitar. Um, you know, he tells the story about the first time he was with the, he, he was going to do Ghost of Tom Joad with, on stage with Bruce, um, so I love the version with, you know, Tom playing it. Um, and so I think of it. Um, and so that's my, going to be my pick. It was hard not to pick that song because it's, it's such a vibe. 
It's such a movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, as someone who does like some of the, you know, bit more, I, I guess, the sedate versions of, of Bruce Springsteen yeah. songs. But I will say the electric version of uh, The Ghost of Tom Joad on a later album, uh, again, both versions. With Morella. Exactly. Yeah. Both, both easily good. But I ended up going with Youngstown because you're right. It is such a good song. And the the, the melodies and the harmonies on that really work out yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, you know, the cannons that won the war, you know, I um, I spent my time in hell. It's just, yeah, just ooh, great, great song. You mentioned an EP. That's the Blood yes. Brothers EP released in March 1996. I I will say that I am so glad that this album is there because as I mentioned at the top of the show, we weren't touching any soundtracks, right? The Jerry Maguire soundtrack produced one of the better soundtrack songs, in my opinion, that Bruce Springsteen has put out. And that's secret garden. The string version on this, I was really curious to how this was going to play out because I love, I love an orchestra and a song. I do. I still remember one of the, the, the first song I, I sat down when I ha- when I got my first classical acoustic guitar, the first song I ever tried to teach myself was Queensryche's Silent Lucidity because A, I'm a Queensryche fan, B, apparently I like odd timings, but that song has such a wonderful orchestration to it and that's when, you know, the, the connection between, and I used to play in orchestra in high school, so maybe it's not that far-fetched for me to, to like that. So when I saw a string version of Secret Garden, I'm like, it ends here. I mean, I listen to yeah. the rest of the song or the rest of the album. It starts and ends with the string version of Secret Garden. So thank God for this album. But off of the Blood Brothers EP, what did you go with? Yeah, I I, I love that. I love Jerry Maguire as a film. I love how the song is used. I I loved their the radio. They actually released an episode with her and his dialogue intercut with it. Uh, but I love Without You. It's the song, if you if you watch the documentary, it's the song they play over the closing, uh, you know, credits. Um, it's just this fun little song. They're all kind of, uh, you know, in a circle and a little bit like, you know, the Beach Boys would keep all the flubs they hear in their songs. So I just, without you, is there is nothing mind-shattering about it. There's nothing life-changing. It's just a fun little song. We now move on to The Rising. Released June 30th, 2002, the album hit number one in the U.S. and multiple other countries. It is double platinum in the U.S. and Sweden, Platinum in Australia, Germany, New Zealand, Norway, and the UK. There were three singles off of this one. The Rising hit number 52 in the US. At the 2003 Grammys, it won for Best Rock Album. And the song The Rising won Best Male Rock Vocal Performance and Best Rock Song. Good friend of the show, Sean Faust, ended up picking My City of Ruins off of this one. Off of The Rising, what did you go with? Um, I was very tempted to do uh, City of Ruin. Um, If there is one moment where I became a casual, went from a casual fan to start of my journey to obsessive um, that ended with me seeing him live was that fundraiser on TV 
where you cut to Bruce and Clarence and Patty and the candles. And he goes, a prayer for our fallen brothers and sisters and does City of Ruin. But I grew up, uh, my grandparents owned a dairy farm. And one of my favorite memories is being on the front porch, watching them shell peas and tell stories. So Mary's Place is my song off that album. I'm I'm just starting to put things together in my head here. And, and again, I'd have to go back and listen to it because, again, after yeah. speed running 23 albums, uh, yes. I'm sitting there going, like, yeah, the songs do start to blend together after a while. Uh is our Mary's place is is that the same Mary as Thunder Road? Uh no, he likes using Mary is a one. Uh Mary is um you know, I put, drop the needle and pray, drop the needle and pray, waiting for a shout from the crowd, waiting for the shout for the crowd. I'll meet you at Mary's place, which is a little bit of a homage to a um uh a Sam Cook song, Mary's Place. Okay. So yeah, Mary's Place. Yes. So so it's not like Bon Jovi uh, in uh, in It's My Life and you know no you know name name dropping Johnny and Gina again from you know from no. yeah okay cool just yeah. want to make sure that you know we don't have like, yes. Mary songs all the way through okay so for me yeah. the Rising is one of his better albums I I will fully admit that so it was really really tough and again it was a coin toss counting on a miracle. Ended up being my runner-up. Okay. But you know already that I like the 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 more dialed-back ones. Almost yeah. haunting. So Paradise, yeah. holy crap. Like, it's almost ethereal in, yes. in tonality for that one. Yeah. Um, a, a strong song. Um, you know, that... Um, the, the idea, right. That, um, this is, you know, this, as I wait for paradise, I taste the void upon your lips, right? Yeah. It, it, the rising is a brilliant album. Um, and, you know, obviously partly inspired by nine 11, the famous story is that, uh, Bruce was driving along or walking along and someone stopped his car and said, we need you. And that's what led the East street band back to, and doing the rising. So, because like blood brothers was 96. And so they did not do another album together till 2002. And that was the rising. You can imagine how, in that post 9-11 time, you know, especially coming from New Jersey and, you know, the, the New York area, you can imagine like almost like a, you know, obviously it's, you know, everyone has a role in this world, you know, and obviously Bruce Springsteen is a singer and songwriter and, you know, soul healer, if you will, through that music, you know, you probably saw or you can imagine almost the, the call to duty at that point. Yeah. And um, I was lucky enough. Um, there is um, Stan Goldsmith. It does a um, unofficial tour of Springsteen's roots uh, on, you know, weekends. 
uh, and he took that and he, you know, we, he said, this is the bridge. And if you look that way, you would have seen the towers, but now then you can't. So there's a good chance that Bruce had seen them forever. And there's a chance when that happened, he saw them burning from here. Like a lot of other people. Yeah. We now move on to Devils and Dust. Released April 26, 2005, the album hit number one on the Billboard 200 and multiple other countries. It's platinum in Ireland and gold in the U.S. There were two singles off of this one. Devils and Dust hit number 72 in the U.S. and at the 2006 Grammys. Devils and Dust won Best Rock Vocal Solo Performance Award. So off of this album, what did you go with? Um... I was very tempted to go Devils and Dust. I think it is a really powerful song uh, talking about soldiers and the idea, you know, I got hand my finger on my trigger and I don't know who to trust. Um, but I am a, a father and long time coming speaks to me where, and he in he did a uh, storytellers, a VH1 storytellers, and he talked about the story. Uh, there's a line in Long Time Coming that he reaches over, touches his wife's belly, and uh, that's pregnant, you know, and the narrator of the song says, and I hope I don't F it up this time. And he says, reality is, I hope I don't F it up this too much. This time, he says, I couldn't work the rhyme, but the reality is too much. So I just love, love Long Time Coming. Off of this one, and as I mentioned, normally I, I seem to be going for the more mellow, yeah. you know, dialed back vibes. Not this time, though. Not yeah. this time. I, I, went, I went with some fun on this one. I ended up going with All I'm Thinking About. And maybe it's one of those, you know, after a while you need some fun tonic. And this song yes. provided a lot of that. Great song. I love, I think Devils and Dust is underappreciated as an album of his. Um, another fun story. Paul McCartney had, and Ray Charles had been featured in Starbucks and have sold tons of CDs. And they were planning to put Devils and Dust, but Reno, unfortunately, kept the album from being because it was explicit uh, because Reno has the, he is meeting with a woman, shall we say, that has the oldest profession. And she talks about for extra, you can put it in an uncomfortable place like the backseat of a Volkswagen for us Kevin Smith fans. <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. And we, we've covered that movie already on It's Not That Bad. So, you know, go, yes. go, go listen to the Ball Rats episode of that podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love that because I do. It is not that bad. It is. It is really. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We now move on to We Shall Overcome the Seeger Sessions, a covers album focusing on songs made famous by Pete Seeger. The album was released April 25th, 2006 and peaked at number three in the U.S. However, it did go number one in Norway and Sweden. It is double platinum in Ireland and gold in the U.S. And at the 2007 Grammys, it won the Best Traditional Folk Album Award and Best Long Form Music Video Award. I'm not surprised at the double platinum in Ireland because American Land is a, is a almost has a Celtic feel to it. 
not the song I ended up going with. I ended up going with How Can a Poor Man Stand Such Times and Live? But it, it was between those two songs, between American Land and How Can a Poor Man Stand Such Times and Live? I, I'm not as... Well, I'll be honest, I'm not at all familiar with Pete Seeger's songs. So again, this was a blind spot that I just got deep dived into thanks to Bruce Springsteen during my deep dive into Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, um, American Land is one of my favorite songs. Um, And I thought we were talking the studio more than the live version, but, and, and if you do the expanded version of Americana, right, the Americana version, American lands on there. Uh, so I, I, I've been able to hear that live a couple of times. I think American land is what people think born in the USA is about. <laughs> people who misunderstand born in the USA that is this anthem um i think american land is that you know this is and and it still has a little bit of um a cynicism is it i it it has irish folklore everywhere on it in fact if you uh live in dublin there is a dvd blu-ray of the session band playing in dublin and they do some versions of uh, some Nebraska songs. They do a great version of Growing Up. So it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm picking Pay Me My Money Down. And for this, once again, a personal reason. My son had graduated college and was working for the same company I was working at. And um, he was up for his first review. And he was kind of, you know, hey... You know, they better take care of me, right? I've been doing a good job. So I sent him the link, pay me, pay me, pay me my money down. And so to this day, anytime his bonus is due or there's something, he will send me that link. So I'm going to do that for my uh, for my uh, son. Love and it's a great song. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Moving on is Magic. Released September 25th, 2007. It hit number one in the U.S. and multiple countries. It is triple platinum in Ireland, double platinum in Sweden, and platinum in the U.S. There were two singles off of this one. Girls in Their Summer Clothes charted the highest in the U.S. at number 95. But Radio Nowhere actually hit number two in Norway. At the 2008 Grammys, Radio Nowhere won the Best Solo Rock Vocal Performance and Best Rock Song Awards. And at the 2009 Grammys, Girls in Their Summer Clothes won the Best Rock Song. Sean Faust ended up picking Radio Nowhere. I tend to agree with him, but this is a really good album. Yeah, Magic is, many people consider Magic as his quote-unquote best modern album. It's a lot about the Bush administration, uh, you know, Long Walk Home, um, you know, Gypsy Biker. Uh, there's just a lot of great on this. Um, I've already said Racing in the Street was an adult Beach Boy fan uh, song. Girls in Their Summer Clothes is, I think, the E Street Band totally trying to do a Brian Wilson song, and I adore it. Uh, followed very closely work for your love. I, I just, but girls in their summer clothes, I've only heard it once live. 
I, I would love to hear it again. It's just truly one of my favorite. So that was an easy pick for me, even though I, it's number one. And then like there's four other songs that are one a, yeah, I had, I'll work for your love as one of my, uh, almost songs as well as last to die. Um, yeah. Phenomenal, phenomenal album. Yeah. I, I am curious before, before we move on here, I am curious sure. because you've mentioned a, a number of these songs and, and how you've, you know, had a chance to hear some of them live, you know, in all the times and all the songs, you know, that you've seen Bruce Springsteen live, yeah. I, I ask you, is there a bucket list song from his discography that you have not heard live yet? So, yes, and this will come up in a little bit. Um, so, um, so I will, um, I, I, so I will, I will tell the story then, but I'm going to tell you now. Um, so, um, High Hopes, there is a song called This Is Your Sword, This Is Your Shield, and it is a gospel song. It is just flat gospel song. And I wanted to hear that so bad, Jason. I wanted to hear it so bad. And at the show in Houston that I was telling you about where he did one step up, um, he came out and he opened with seeds, which has the lyric in Houston town in it. Right. Last time I saw him in Houston, he opened with seeds. I found out afterwards that they were supposed to open with, if I was your sword, if this is your sword and Morella right before they stepped on stage said, Hey, we're in Houston. And Cruz Bruce called an audible, <laughs> scratched out my wish list song and played seeds. So yes. You see what happens? You see what happens when you realize what city you're in? Just pull pull the spinal tap, say hello Cleveland, and play the damn song. Okay. There you go. Yes. <laughs> We now move on to Working on a Dream, released January 27, 2009, hit number one in the U.S. and multiple countries. It is double platinum in Ireland, platinum in Canada and Sweden, and gold in the U.S. There were four singles off this one. Working on a Dream charted highest, hit number 95 in the U.S. At the 2010 Grammys, Working on a Dream won the Best Solo Rock Vocal Performance Award. So off of Working on a Dream, what did you work out? So... And many Springsteen fans would say this is his least successful album of the uh, of the modern era, not counting. Uh, we'll get to another one in a in a couple of years. Um, Working on the Dream was played at the Super Bowl. It is an absolutely great song, uh, but I'm going to go with a song that was uh, that ends it. It's Terry's song. It was about his longtime assistant. Uh, it's very sweet, uh, but talking about losing his friend. And so I'm, I went with Terry's song that I was really tempted to do working on a dream because I do think that is a good song. I will say Bruce Springsteen had one hell of a Super Bowl performance. Yes. Like, absolutely. Yes. Like when, when I think about, you know, the Super Bowl performances really of we'll we'll say the last 20 years his his is up there i remember distinctly actually since we were talking about uh post 9 11 i remember the youtube performance being absolutely phenomenal um yeah there have been some wonderful super bowl 
performances. There have been some not-so-wonderful Super Bowl performances. Right. But Bruce Springsteen, I think, definitely brought the energy that it required. Um, you know, working in sports, you know, I, I, I yeah, fully... Exactly. I got a chance to, you know, watch a lot of them on TV. So, yeah, yeah. his was good. So, you know, Jason, what... Often, every year during the Super Bowl, there's a lot of discussion, and Springsteen fans all say... By far, he is number one. And I always go, I think YouTube and Prince may have something to say about that. I mean, YouTube, the power after 9-11 and them doing that and him showing the flag on his shirt and that list of all the victims. And it rains during purple rain. I mean, <laughs> Prince, it, <laughs> God wanted Prince to have a good show. So yes, I, but I do agree that Bruce is absolutely, um, and I routinely pull it up on YouTube and just watch it. It's such a fun 10, 12 minutes. I, I think, you know, you have to give credit to, to Bruno Mars. I think his was also oh, very yeah, well call. done. Yeah. And a few years ago when they had Dr. Dre and all that, I know that was for people who grew up loving hip hop. That was just that brought back all their memories of high school and college and everything. So, yeah, I think it's it, you know, it's it's hard to have a show to a universal audience. And uh, yeah, I, Bruno Mars was very good. That's a good choice. Thank God you didn't say Elvis Presto. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> We now move into 2012 and March 6th, and this album came in like a wrecking ball. Hit number one in the U.S. and multiple countries. It is platinum in Germany and Sweden and gold in the U.S. There were three singles off of this one, but none of them unfortunately charted in the States. Off of Wrecking Ball, what did you go with? So my number one song, if not Better Days, is Land of Hope and Dreams. Um, I absolutely adore that song. It is, um, I spoke it at my father's funeral. I quoted it at one of my best friend's funerals. Um, I absolutely, Land of Hope and Dreams is just, I think, epic. Um, I, Wrecking Ball is probably two or three on my list of favorite albums. Um, uh, there is a version of American Land on it. There is... Death to My Hometown, um, We Take Care of Our Own, which is one of his other songs that can be very misunderstood if you don't care. A uh, lot of Irish tint to Wrecking Ball. There is that feeling of Irish. So, yeah, but Land of Hope and Dreams. It is actually my pick as well. So I, I was wrong. We actually do match up on a few of these here, which is kind of funny because I had two songs. I mean, Yes, I give full kudos to the, the 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 studio version of American Land off this one here. But the two songs that were really vying for my pick were this one and a completely totally different one, This Depression. And that song's got one hell of a dark vibe and, you know, again, more of the dialed back ethereal feel that I, I really found I was connecting with as far as his discography goes. But you're right. Land of Hope and Dreams is really uplifting and a wonderful song. Yeah, there is a great moment. I don't know if, if your audience has not watched Springsteen on Broadway. Um, there is a great moment where um, he 
I will not spoil the whole story, but he he gives an introduction and he starts playing Dancing in the Dark. And as the song ends, he sway, he transitions to Land of Hope and Dreams. So Dancing in the Dark and then just he transitions to Land of Hope and Dreams. Um, yeah, I just I just think it is, you know, you'll need a good companion on this part of the ride. Just it's just something special. Moving on to January 14th, 2014, and the release of High Hopes. Hit number one everywhere. It is gold in Australia, Ireland, New Zealand, Sweden, and the UK. There was one single on it, High Hopes, but it did not chart. High Hopes is actually my pick off of this one here. The drum work and the horn section. Like, this has got it all. But I will say, Down in the Hole was also a phenomenal song. And that one's mainly for the violin work. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of fans do not like this because um, a lot of these songs were released on bootlegs before. So they didn't feel like this was a new album. I don't collect bootlegs, so I didn't. Um, I um, The Wall is an absolutely amazing song. Uh, when you hear him talk about it, that, you know, he lost so many people, you know, friends of his from Vietnam, uh, you know, and Robert McNamara says he's sorry, you know, with just this bitterness. Uh, I adore Dream Baby Dream, partly because if you Google Dream Baby Dream Springsteen, they there is a video of him doing it and scenes from all his concerts. And it just, to me, shows the magic and love of why a Springsteen show is the happiest place on earth. All apologies to Walt Disney. But yeah, <laughs> this is your sword. This is your shield. This is the power of love revealed. That's my choice. Nice. I, I have it written down here. Yeah. you Because you mentioned the wall. Yeah. I have to say... It actually feels like it could have been on Pink Floyd's The Wall. Yeah, I could see that. And for a while there, he was doing it in Born in the USA as a twofer on a live show. And that's a pretty powerful one-two punch. Mm. I, speaking as someone who plays in a cover band and you know does enjoy the occasional musical medley and whatnot, yeah. I, I always love to hear when artists sit there and say, okay, we're going to take this song and this song, we're going to smash them together and like transition from one to the other because that yeah. always shows kind of having fun with the live experience yeah. as well. Yeah, I will send you a link to the uh, live where he does Dancing in the Dark to Land of Hope and Dreams and it, it's it's good. You'll like it. Moving on to the American Beauty EP that was released April 19th, 2014 and hit number 31 in the U.S. Obviously, it's a small sample size. We've only got four songs to choose from, but off of this EP, what did you go with? So I have a confession. I have probably not listened to the American Beauty EP after I originally, like I bought, it's an album day, you know, how they, you know, the album sales they do, it's album day, independent record day, store day. So, and I had picked it up. I had not listened to it. So I had to, that was my homework. I had to listen <laughs> to American Beauty. And because my initial list, I'm like, I don't know. Um, I don't think any four of these are that strong, just candidly. I, I, 
I think they're okay. Um, so I picked Mary Mary. Um, but I, you know, I, this is, there's a reason why I don't listen to this very often. Oh, good. Mary's back. Hey. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I, I do agree with you. Uh, American Beauty is actually my pick off of this, but yes, it's, it wasn't the strongest outing from Bruce Springsteen. I, I will admit to that. Um, yeah. but I mean, it's only four songs, so I get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and you know, I think in context, right, this was just, he wanted to put out something, for record release day and so he did yeah love record store day absolutely yes record absolutely store day. yes moving on to five years later and western stars released june 14th 2019 the album hit number two in the u.s and number one in multiple other countries it is gold in germany and the uk there were four singles off of this one but unfortunately none of them charted so off of western stars what did you put down so before I give you my pick, I want to know your thoughts on Western stars. Did you go, did, did I skip an artist? Did you, did you feel like this was a Bruce album? Because it is a very different kind of album from him. You, you know what? It, it still felt like him to a point. Okay. And, and I say that because, you know, you, you go back to some of those previous songs and you had, you know, different vibes and different uh like you go back to nebraska right and yeah. that having a very neil young vibe so th there are multiple facets to bruce springsteen and this album didn't necessarily surprise me in the almost country kind of feel to it um, jimmy webb glenn campbell burt Bacharach is what a lot it has that feel yeah yeah i mean and as i'm listening to this you know yes moonlight motel was a great song but again, I talked about this earlier in the show and how an orchestration really fills out a song for me. And again, that's probably because I spent five years in high school in the string orchestra and, you know, I love me an orchestra, so that's all good. So Chasing Wild Horses is very epic and cinematic and I absolutely loved it. So there is, he did a film of this. Don't know if you're aware of that. He did not tour with it, but he he owns this beautiful barn on his property. So they brought in a full band, including multiple strings, and they played the album in full at this band with maybe an audience of 10 people. So there is a live release of Western Stars that is done live that has even more strings. So... When you're not doing homework for your next, you know, you may <laughs> throw that in for your commute to hear. Uh, yeah, I, you know, Hello Sunshine is amazing. Uh, talk about with depression. Um, but Tucson Train is the one that got me because I see this guy. It is so cinematic. You know, I, he's messed up. He's done really bad. And I just can see him talking to his ex-partner. Just give me a weekend. Just come from a weekend. You know, there's that line, I can show her a man can change. And we don't know if she shows up on the Tucson train. I just, and you know, I'm waiting on that Tucson train. Uh, little Steven did a version of it when he was touring. I really thought that this last tour, Bruce might do this one live. He didn't. That is on my wish list. I would love to hear Tucson Train live. I love the mentioned cinematic because, of course, 
you know, with the, the movie that came out, it makes sense that the album yeah. has a cinematic feel. So yeah. good, good to know I'm actually, you know, in the wheelhouse of where this should be. Yes. Yeah. In fact, for those of you who may not have spent time with Western Stars, it feels like a collection of Elmore Leonard short stories. Oh, or, yeah. You should, tell, you should tell my wife, Carrie, that one because she has literally every Elmore Leonard book ever yeah. written because I, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i love justified i would be very curious um have her listen to it have her uh and then have her tell me i'm full of crap or if she agrees uh because i do it feels like elmore leonard stories um the actual song western stars is just a really great i woke up and my boots are still on just yeah great stuff remember how i said there was an album that surprised me with how good it was and may actually be one of my favorite albums. We're there. October 23rd, 2020, in the release of Letter to You. The album hit number two in the U.S. and number one in multiple other countries. It is gold in Germany and the U.K. There were four singles off of this one. The title track, Letter to You, hit number 52 in Ireland. So off of this album, and I'm curious, before you, you tell us the song, how, did, how does this album pair up against the others so we have to talk in context jason 2020 was the year of the pandemic um here in the u.s um we had had three years of administration i personally did not care for i don't want to get political on your show but just talking about me and i I had said that there was a rumor that Bruce may be putting out a new album. And I had made the joke that if we got a new president and a new Springsteen album, perhaps 2020 would not be the crappiest year of all time. Um, so Letter to You came out. And this is 2020. So I'm not going to do the math. But Bruce's first album came out in 73. His album is 2020. He is a man in his 70s. And it's good. It's not good because, well, you know, considering his age and considering, you know, you don't grave letter to you with a curve. It's just good. Um, I... There is a wonderful, uh, on Apple TV, a documentary on the making of it. Uh, the, the really cool thing, Jason, is in the past, since the rising, Bruce would record demos, and when the band would come in the studio, he would play the demo. And as Gary Talent, his bass player, said, and our job was to try to beat the demo, this time they didn't. He just sat there with his guitar, played the song, and you see all of the guys with a paper and pencil writing down and trying to figure out how they're going to play it. It is absolutely amazing. I will always have a special place in my heart because of the theme and context, but I think it just stands up. It is as good as anything he's ever done. Um, I... I really want to go if I was the priest. 
I adored If I Was the Priest. I got to hear it live twice. It is a song that he said that this had never been played live since 1972, right? This was one of the songs he did for John Hammond. But I went with Power of Prayer because I just love that, you know, the idea that rock and roll is that power of prayer. It is, and it's what my show's about. It's about that this music heals us and it combines us and it helps us mourn. So, yeah, power of prayer. Can you tell I'm a little excited about Letter to You? <laughs> I, I was about to say, and I was curious too, because again, as I mentioned, this is my musical blind spot, you know, or at least mm-hmm. one of my musical blind spots. So, so much of this was brand new music discovery for me. So, anytime an album would like hit, you know, because there were there were some albums that were sometimes a little harder to get through, like American Beauty. Sure. You know, yeah. But every now and then, an album on its own would hit, and I'm like, "Am I? I, I want, it's almost reassuring to know that I'm kind of hearing it, not necessarily right, but I'm not alone in liking the albums that that really kind of hit with me." Because this one, it it did it surprised me. Because again, you're right; it's 2020. You know, that first album is so long ago, and this yeah. one does hit so well. I'm glad that you mentioned the documentary because, I, A, I haven't watched it, but this album did feel like a band writing rather than just a singer-songwriter. You listen to Nebraska, it feels like a singer-songwriter, like just by himself. This felt like a band, and maybe that's why Janie Needs a Shooter is my pick off of this one because it felt like a band song. Yes. And and the themes of the album, um, so two things led to this album. Um, one, he was at Broadway and a guy handed him a guitar and Bruce went to sign it. And he goes, no, 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 this is for you. And it was this beautiful guitar made in Italy. And Bruce had, he said he had had trouble writing for the E Street Band. He says, and that happens sometimes where he just has blocks. He can write different kinds of music. And then George Thies was the leader of the very first band Bruce was in in high school, the Castiles. And George died. And Bruce said he was at his bed's, you know, side. And they talked and laughed and spent time together, said their goodbyes. And after he passed, Bruce realized he was the last man alive from that high school band. He was the last man standing. So there's a lot of songs about bands on this thing. And I think as a musician, right, like House of a Thousand Guitars, as someone said, my wife said, that's not a suggestion, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, you know, last man standing. Um, and I will see you in my dreams will have you cry. I mean, that's the last song. And it talks about, you know, death is not the end. And I will see you in my dreams is just something beautiful. And yes, Jamie needs a shooter um, is just amazing. All these songs are good. By the way, too, listeners, if you want to hear the songs that we are talking about, you can go over to our website at notthatbadcast.com and go to the There Can Only Be One page. 
underneath the Spotify link for the podcast episode itself, you're going to see our playlist for all the songs we've been talking about on this episode. So please, by all means, once you're done listening to us, go and listen to some of the songs so you can hear what it is that we're talking about and why these songs connect to us. And I'd love to know what songs connect to you. So there's a comment section there. Please, by all means, drop us a line and let us know the songs that you would have picked for your Bruce Springsteen playlist. But now we get to the end of the road, at least so far, because I'm sure Bruce Springsteen still has music in him to, to put out. And Only the Strong Survive. It's a covers album of all R&B and soul songs, released November 11th, 2022. Off of this one, off of this covers album, what did you go with? So... This is just a fun album. I mean, there is no, um, you know, you, you can't see any significance in it, except these are the songs he wanted to cover. Um, I I know there was a little bit of like, oh, he's destroying his legacy by putting out. I'm like, okay, power letter to you. And then if, if two years later, he wants to just do a fun covers album, um, I wish it would rain is the song I think that feels most like a Bruce song. Um, I loved hand of time. I loved, you know, a lot of different songs. Night shift is a lot of people's favorite. I was never a fan of that original song. I think Bruce does a great version of it, but yeah, it, I wish it would rain to me feels the most Bruce ish of the covers. <laughs> I will say Night Shift is my pick because, again, I like the song and I love his version of it. Yeah. Oh, great. He does it live and I, I, I'm i happy every time. Yeah. It surprises me, though, that you say that, that people are saying that, you know, oh, why, you know, try to ruin the legacy. I don't think it does. I really don't. And I say that knowing that Paul Stanley's Soul Station is in no way tarnishing Paul Stanley's legacy is the lead singer of Kiss. He has a phenomenal voice. And Paul Stanley's Soul Station, the albums that he has put out with that, like, phenomenal. And his voice is so suited to that. You can do both. You don't have to just be a one-trick pony. Um, you know, Canadian, you know, Canadian listeners will also know the name Lee Aaron, you know, known as the Metal Queen. But yeah. she's done jazz albums, and those jazz albums are stellar. So you don't necessarily have to tie yourself to one genre. If you like R&B and you want to do an R&B solo album, it's Bruce Springsteen. He doesn't have to justify anything. You know, Jason, and that you know, it, it has volume one on it, and I've been very vocal. I would love to see him do a country album, doing some Johnny Cash, some Merle Haggard, you know, different things. I'd love another soul album. Uh, you know, I'd love, um, you know, some of the funnest shows are when they pull out a cover, uh, whether they do Burning Love or, you know, or I Can't Get No Satisfaction in something. So, yeah, I, I just think it's a fun album. Uh, I was on a road trip the other, a, a month or so ago, and I put in the CD and listened to it all the way through, and it was just fun. It was great driving down the interstate, listening to that, just tapping my feet. Yeah, and the other thing, too, with a covers album is that it gives you a little insight into, you know, the musician's likes, you know, the artist's likes, because not all the time 
are you going to have artists who solely like and listen to the same kind of genre that they perform? You know, I, I think about Queensryche's covers album, and you had like songs off of the Jesus Christ Superstar stage play in there, and it yeah. works. You know, I would love to see, and I don't know if anyone else would, but you know, this is me in a bubble. I'm just going to say it anyways. If Bruce Springsteen were to do another soul tour or another soul album, I would love to see a co-headlining bill between Bruce Springsteen doing R&B soul covers and Paul Stanley's Soul Station now that Kiss is no longer doing anything. That would be fun. That would be a lot of fun. I agree. Um, You know, and it just, you, I think you want your artists to enjoy themselves. I think that if they have a creative itch, let them do it and let them enjoy it. Um, and, you know, for the longest time, Bruce did not think he had a good vocal style. He thought he was not, he had more power than he did finesse and a good voice. And I think his voice sounds great on this album. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing too. Like, again, do the math. How, how old is he? And the fact that he's still putting out albums with good vocal performances like hells yeah right and yeah the, and yes let him do whatever the hell he wants that first album came out in 1973 he doesn't have to ask anyone's permission at all absolutely all right yeah. so so now that we've come to the end here it's time to really put you to the test so okay before we do Go through your list and let us remind our listeners what songs you picked off of each album. And then if there can only be one from the album, from the songs that you have picked, what is your only one song for Bruce Springsteen? So that's actually pretty easy for me. Uh, you know, uh, I had growing up Rosalita, Thunder Road, Racing in the Street, Out in the Street, Highway Patrolman, No Surrender, all that heaven will allow, all or nothing at all, better days, ghost of Tom Joad, without you, Mary's place, long time coming, pay me my money down, girls in their summer clothes, working on a dream, land of open, no, I Terry song, I changed it last minute, land of open dreams, this is your sword, Mary, Mary, uh, Tucson train, power prayer, wish it would rain, land of open dreams. I mean, just by far, land of open dreams. If, if I could only, I mean, between it or better days, and if I have to pick, it's going to be Land of Hope and Dreams. Great song. How about you? Okay, so for me, off of Greetings from Asbury, New Jersey, I went with Spirit in the Night. From the Wild, the Innocent, and the East Street Shuffle, I went with New York City Serenade. From Born to Run, I went with Born to Run. From Darkness on the Edge of Town, I went with Badlands. From the River, I went with Fade Away. Off of Nebraska, I went with Atlantic City. From Born in the USA, I went with I'm on Fire. Off of Tunnel of Love, I went with One Step Up. From Human Touch, I went with Human Touch. From Lucky Town, I went with Better Days. From The Ghost of Tom Joad, I went with Youngstown. Off of the Blood Brothers EP, I went with the string version of Secret Garden. Off of The Rising, I went with Paradise. Off of Devils and Dust, I went with All I'm Thinking About. From We Shall Overcome, The Seeker Sessions, I went with How Could a Poor Man Stand Such Times and Live. Off of Magic, I went with Radio Nowhere. From Working on a Dream, I went with My Lucky Day. Off of Wrecking Ball, I went with Land of Hope and Dreams. 
From High Hopes, I went with High Hopes. And from American Beauty, I went with American Beauty. From Western Stars, I went with Chasing Wild Horses. From Letter to You, I went with Janie Needs a Shooter. And from Only the Strong Survive, I went with his cover of Night Shift. But there can only be one. And this is tough. Because there's a couple in here where they could they could be the song. But if there can only be one, I think it's got to go with I'm on Fire. I think for me, because of the vibe that I seem to settle in with the most, this is the song that I think, if there could only be one, I think it's that one. I, You know, there's, like I said, it's one of his most enduring songs. It is an iconic video, right? It, it, it brings that MTV era and that his height of fame. Great song. Great choice. Oh, dude, thank you so much for, you know, not just joining me on the show, but for actually forcing me to listen to this. Because again, had, had I not had this this podcast, there's a lot of albums that would I, I would never have reason to go listen to. So it's actually fun for me to discover these albums from artists that you know, I probably should have listened to already. So, Jesse, thank you for this. This has actually been a pleasure well, for me. Well, th- th- I, it is it is a joy for me. I will tell you, I had a similar incident as Canadian. You will appreciate this. You know, I do a Babylon 5 podcast, and one of my co-hosts is from Canada, and I had him watch the Western Stars film because we were going to do a one-off episode, and he said, you know, would you mind checking? And so he sent me Tragically Hip, and I'd never heard of Tragic Hip, except, you know, casually with other podcasts in Canada. And I did a deep dive into it, and I went, how the hell was this band not successful in America? Mm. I mean, they are amazing. I, I just, it truly was. It was like this, how did I not know this great music existed out there? Oh, yeah. Tragically Hip, Canada's house band for sure. Uh, yes. I, however, that being said, before you get your hopes up, I yes. have to. I have to. I have to. I have to let you let you know. Yeah. Western Stars, the movie, does yeah. not qualify for. It's not that bad. Okay. Okay. No, it <laughs> with, doesn't. With a ninety-four percent tomatometer, yes. it does not qualify for. It's not that bad. So, d- yes. d- I, I, I. It's almost like I'm sorry that I, we can't talk about that film on no, the other no, show. No, no, no. But I'm happy um, we can't talk about that yeah. show. That that film on the yes. other show because that means it's so good. Yeah, I have been thinking about some of my favorites um, film to join you on that. Um, I, I'm worried, like, the Peter Falk in-laws is one of my favorite, but I think it does pretty well on Rotten uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. So, yes, I do. I am wanting to join you on those because there, I do love this idea that there are films that we just adore, but just, and you get to say, no, it, it wasn't that bad. It, you know, there is some good to it. Well, just so, yeah. I will say that whether it be this show or it's not that bad or any of the side shows on either channel, there's always an empty microphone waiting for you. The seat is always open. So thank you so much. Well, Jason, I appreciate it. And we're going to return the favor. You're going to join me on Set Lusting Bruce. And we're going to kind of go into, I told a lot of stories tonight. You're going to tell a lot of stories when you're on my show about thoughts on the albums and what you've seen and do a little bit of that 
Um, I do want to throw an open invite to your listeners. Um, I am always looking for guests on Set Lusting Bruce. It is an interview show. Um, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. Email me. You don't have to like Bruce Springsteen. All you have to be is be passionate about music. And uh, if you want to join me and talk about your favorite brand, just send me an email. Absolutely. Now, Jesse, before we let them go, do you, you, you've told yeah. them the, the email address. Remind our listeners again where they can find the podcast and where they sure. can find you out there. We are a proud member of the Pantheon uh, family of excellent podcasts. Set Lusting Bruce. Um, the title comes from um, uh, many years, Bruce would rotate his set list. And so as social media became in existence, people would post what songs he was doing live. And instead of set listing, you became set lusting. Oh, I can't believe he's doing that song and I'm not there. So set lusting Bruce, a Bruce Springsteen fan podcast available wherever you find your podcast. Uh, check it out. And I would love uh, the, you to tell me what you think. And as always, Jason and I are wanting some five-star love on iTunes. Go to wherever you get your uh, podcast. Go where you can rate and review it. I, I just cannot tell you, sometimes we are just talking into the fog. And to see when somebody gives a new review or shoots an email, it just it lights our whole day. Oh, absolutely. So whether it be on Apple or iTunes or Spotify or something like Good Pods, by all means, listen, rate, and, you know, thumbs up wherever you can. Jesse, thank you so much. Now, listeners, you guys know the drill. If there is an artist out there that you want us to cover, hit us up on social media at OnlyOneCast or go to our website at NotThatBadCast.com and let us know. And while you're there, make sure you check out all the other shows, including the brand new Spin Shuffle Skip, which you can find on every other week. So when you don't get it, there can only be one. You got a Spin Shuffle Skip. Until next time, Jesse, thank you. Listeners, you guys are awesome. This is There Can Only Be One, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com 
code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 